Amen. So uh, again, good morning, uh, church. It is uh, certainly an honor and a pleasure to uh, to be given a little bit of time this morning to uh, give a message from God's Word. Um, we are truly blessed again to uh, be considered children of the of the Almighty. Um, you know, all all things are are in His hands, and and as God has mentioned, continues to mention, um, and well, I don't want to say continues to mention. It's kind of underwritten in every aspect of the Scripture. Is He shows love for His children, and He shows care and compassion uh, for those um, who He calls His children and those who are obedient um, to His will. Um, love is a very powerful four-letter word. Um, it is the uh, cornerstone, the the keystone, if you will, of the New Testament Scripture. Uh, without love, everything else falls down um, as a result. First uh, John tells us very clearly that God is love, um, and love is and and the love that that God has for us is not just uh, it is not it is not. And I guess if I were writing this um, down on a piece of paper, not would be in capital letters. It is not a superficial love. It is not a, um, you know, a fair weather love. It's, it's not, uh, well, you look pretty today, so I love you more than I did yesterday. Um, it is not that type of love. It is a love of self-sacrifice, meaning that this love is tantamount to sacrificing that thing that you love most um, or you care for most that is valued to you most for the benefit of the person who you love and certainly we know that to be the case and that God gave his only begotten son he doesn't have any other son other than Christ Jesus and he gave that son up to die a cruel a uh, an embarrassing um, a painful death in front of his mother and his family um, for our sins. He loved us that much. Um, I'd, I'd like to say I love my wife and kids that much. I'd like to say that I love you all that much. Um, but, you know, proof is in the pudding. Um, and I can tell you that God has proven his love. It's not just something that is written down in a book. His, his love has been proven through uh, the lifetimes, death, and, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. With that said, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, shepherds for a few moments. Um, as we, if you're not familiar, a shepherd is kind of like, uh, is a guy or, or a gal um, that is hired by a um, uh, a farmer to watch over his livestock. You know, back in back in the, uh, I don't want to say back in the old times because they still have shepherds here today. They just drive around trucks and and four wheelers. Um, but uh, back in Jesus's time, if you will, um, large swaths of acres were designated for for grazing animals, um, and because there weren't uh, you know, we didn't have the industrial sprawl that we have today. There were, you know, coyotes and wolves and and other animals that uh, 
would you know snatch the you know the baby the baby sheep uh, the um, at night or or some of the old older animals that were physically impaired and and they would kill them. So the shepherd's job was to watch after the livestock uh, to make sure that the livestock were properly fed if they were injured to bring them back to to get the care that they needed if they were having difficulty in delivering their young the shepherd would be there to to lend a helping hand um, and all because the the sheep um, the livestock were extremely valuable um, not only did it uh, was it a means of revenue for the farm uh, for the owner uh, but it was also a means of providing substance for um, for the family um, so the sheep are extremely or the livestock excuse me are extremely valuable I was thinking about this in light of um, what we have here today um, in in our times yes we don't have um, you know, we do have coyotes and, and wolves and the like, but again, um, by and large, uh, we've got electrified fences. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned, we have, you know, cowboys that no longer ride uh, horses, but have four wheelers and trucks and, and we have, uh, cows and, and livestock that are, have RFI or hopefully I'm saying that radio frequency chips in their ears uh, so the farmer you know can log into his computer and know that cow number 2273 is over in this quadrant uh, of the farm we have technology that gives us an added benefit uh, um, or quote-unquote allows us to be better shepherds of the livestock um, if we were to extend that analogy out um, to um, in the way that God uh, references, you know, livestock and, and a shepherd and sheep and rams, etc., um, we can see here that He's also referring to us as part of being. He's referring to us as being the livestock and the shepherds, being uh, the leaders um, who have been given charge. Um, whether via election, whether uh, com uh, commandment or hire, uh, to watch over us and uh, to provide the same level of care and compassion that uh, a shepherd uh, would for animal livestock. As we go towards the uh, November 3rd election, and I'm not going to get uh, political, I just thought this would be befitting of a lesson to uh, to talk about as we kind of go into the uh, to the to the the heart of the election season is <clears throat> each of us is you know who participates in voting um, is going to cast a lot on on which shepherd should shepherd our our cities um, our school boards um, our counties um, our state and our country. And I just want to make sure that everybody, uh, I want to make sure that we are all reminded of the fact that these are not the shepherds that have been, have been given charge by God necessarily to shepherd our spiritual souls. Um, yes, they, the scripture does tell us, um, Paul in, in a number of different occasions tells us that um, we are to honor, honor those who have the rule over us. Um, in, in one occasion, as, as it talks to about, you know, taxes, he says that we are to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. 
Um, we are to obey the, the laws of the land. I'm not saying that um, we shouldn't be anything other than the epitome of good citizens because God does command us to do that. But what I'm speaking of here is, is by and large, as I look around, um, you know, I look on the internet, I watch the TV shows. I, uh, just to give you an example, I was playing tennis yesterday with, uh, uh, with little, uh, Sister Allison and uh, somebody had uh, put graffiti up on a um, on a uh, electrical box in the outfield of a baseball um, baseball diamond, and it was it had a KKK, and it had a, a a a white hood with you know two black dots for the eyes. I got to thinking, wow, that's we're we're at that point in in modern days where people are emboldened enough to express that level of hatred in light of the fact that it harms or it is a lack of love and compassion uh, for me as a, a member of a minority group. Where is the shepherd? I thought. Where is my city leader? Where is my police officer who should be out there you know, shepherding or protecting me and my child from um, obvious graffitis, graffiti denoting um, hatred and violence. You know, again, as I was looking out, you know, about uh, the situation with Breonna Taylor just recently, and I got to thinking, where is the shepherd? You know, where is the shepherd, the, the judge, the city leader, the law enforcement officer, etc., etc., that should be um, protecting Breonna Taylor, or should have protected Breonna T Taylor in that moment where she was, uh, her life was innocently taken. And I got to thinking again that one of the things that we fall into the trap of doing is looking for protection, guidance, support, strength, deliverance from the wrong people. The only shepherd that we should be looking towards and looking at um, or looking with a eager amount of expectation of deliverance is the shepherd Jesus the Christ. Any other shepherd is not the shepherd. As a matter of fact, you can't, you can't shepherd somebody or you can't protect somebody if you can't even do the things to protect yourself. And certainly, um, our, some of our city leaders, I can't say all of them, um, because I don't know all of them. Um, but certainly some of our city leaders, our, our board members, our, our uh, local uh, state senators, our, our governors, our um, national sen uh, senators, representatives, presidents, Supreme Court justices, etc., etc. All these people who we put our faith and hope um, who we, you know, just without thinking, I would say, subconsciously put all of our hope and expectation and compassion into. They are not our true shepherd. Again, I'm not, I'm not making that statement to say, again, that we should be against our city leaders and our governments. We shouldn't listen to what they say because, again, the scripture tells us that we need to be good citizens. Um, that gives us the ability to more effectively impart the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are good citizens. As a matter of fact, Jesus was 
um, when he was arrested by the Jews, he was charged as being a seditionist. But we know that's not what Jesus was uh, came to this earth to do. He came to this earth to not destroy um, or to take over rule and power um, on this earth. But obviously that you know that power was given to him by God. But that was not his sole mission. His sole mission was to come to this earth to give the gospel of his father to die on that cross and to raise again to rise again the third day so i want to start off by reading a passage uh, uh, of scripture um, from the book of john the 10th chapter and again these are the words of jesus um, <clears throat> during that during the uh, 33 years of uh, of his ministry and we're going to read uh, quite a few verses here today, um, but uh, hopefully by the end of this, I will have kind of guided us down a path that, that leads to the conclusion that I mentioned here today, that uh, our hope and our faith and our trust should only be invested and be given to one person. In uh, John, the 10th chapter, starting at verse number seven. It reads, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. And I am, I, excuse me, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And I want to stop, stop right there, just to reemphasize, um, what Jesus just said there. As I as I just got through alluding with love being the cornerstone of, of the scripture, love is also the defining attribute of a shepherd or a good shepherd. Because there are bad shepherds, um, but what I'm talking about here is the good shepherd. Love is the defining characteristic, and it's not a superficial love. It's not you know, you're a more beautiful sheep than that sheep. You know, you yield more than that than that sheep. You're a lot younger um, than the older sheep or giving preference, preferential love to, to one set of the flock and the other. But what Jesus says here in verse number 11 is, he says that the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And it's a sacrificial love again. And I think to, and, and I want you to reflect upon what that means relative to some of the um, shepherds that maybe you have put your hope and faith and trust in um, other than Christ. Um, you know, you may say, well, man, Joe Biden is going to be my shepherd and I'm going to vote for him. Or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for uh, Donald J. Trump because he's going to be my shepherd and I'm going to vote for him. He stands for what I believe in. He stands for, you know, uh, you know, pro-life or pro-speech or pro-choice or 
pro-whatever. If you were to ask any one of those shepherds, your city leaders, um, etc., going all the way up the chain, if you were to ask them, would you sacrifice your life for me? And I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about philosophically or anything along those lines. I'm talking about you. You know, you in your home in little old San Diego. You in your home in little old Merced or little old Atwater or little old North Carolina. Or you who's in the hospital right now, um, sick in bed. If any of those quote-unquote shepherds would say to you in all truth and honesty that they would lay down their lives for you, then I'd say they're a good shepherd. Because they are typifying the sacrificial agape love that's mentioned in the scripture. If the answer to that, if the answer to that question is no, then they are not the good shepherd. You should not put one iota of faith, hope, or trust in them or their guidance. Continuing on. In verse number 12, he says, But he that is an heirling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, whose own, whose own the sheep are not, excuse me, um, and I'll read that again because I, I want to make sure I get the syntax right. <clears throat> but he that is an heirling, or as the uh, or a hired man, a, a temporary guy who's you know just serving as a a placeholder for the true shepherd, the good shepherd, is what that airling stands for. It says, "But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth." And the wolf catcheth him and scattereth the sheep. You know, that's what uh, um, our elected politicians are. They are hired for a purpose, right? Per our Constitution, we hire them um, by way of our vote. But we don't belong to them. And when, as the old saying goes, when the tough, what do they say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, well, those who profess to be tough, they certainly do get going when the time is, when the times get rough. And what it says here again in verse number 12 is that because the sheep do not belong to them, um, when he sees the wolf, he gets going because he doesn't want to get eaten himself, and the wolf catch and scatters the sheep. In verse number 13, it says, The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. What a beautiful, beautiful words to know that, that Jesus, the good shepherd, we know that uh, when the times get tough, he will be there steadfast, willing to lay down his life 
in preservation of each and every one of us. You know, it, uh, Heather was joking to me. I don't know if it was uh, Heather, but um, maybe it was one of the kids about writing in Jesus Christ on our ballots. What would happen if every member of the Church of Christ wrote in Jesus the Christ uh, for, for our, as our next president? Just think about for a second, what if Jesus the Christ won the election? What then? Well, Jesus says here that he will never leave us. Even though he is not in physical form, he is certainly with us in spiritual form. And what if our spiritual leader was actually the president of the United States? I think that would be a, a good... I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I'd say that uh, it would certainly be interesting. Um, it would be to our benefit. Um, but just imagine if there was a war or a decision that needed to be made and Jesus was our president. And we had to go back to the scripture to know whether to pass said resolution or, or go to war or do all of those things. What do you think would happen? Well, if you have your Bibles, let's, uh, let's go to uh, Revelation. Uh, Revelation, the... Uh, let's go to Revelation, the second chapter. And what we're going to do is we'll read from Revelation, the second chapter, starting at verse number one. If you have your Bibles, it reads, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and thou, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this, sorry, and I, and I apologize, brothers and sisters of Christ, I'm a little tongue-tied this morning. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so we have um, a message via the angels to the church at Ephesus. Um, if Jesus were the president, 
He was a write-in candidate. He won the general election. He got the necessary electoral votes, um, and we elect him. Obviously, our Constitution, as it is written, would not allow that to happen, right? Because, obviously, um, we cannot elect, um, at least per our Constitution, we have to elect a, an actual living human being. We can't elect anybody who is passed from this life to the next. But I'm just saying... Just for the sake of this lesson, what if that restriction was not there? And what, in fact, if Jesus had won the election in electoral votes? You know, on ABC, NBC, CBS, they said, um, all points bulletin, Jesus the Christ has won the, won the election. What would that look like? And when I, when I think about that, my mind automatically went to some of the messages and, um, that were given all of the different messages to the seven churches of Asia here in Revelation, the second uh, and third chapter. We don't have time to go through these one by one, but if you were to look at each and every one of these examples, what you'll find is um, an example of Jesus addressing seven or more basic human conditions that we all kind of deal with even today, that we are all afflicted with as as livestock, all the all the various ways in which Satan um, impacts us today also impacted the seven churches of Asia. And what we find here in uh, the first seven verses of Re Revelations, the first chapters, we find a church or a group of people who is invested in fighting a good fight. Let's say. And their fight is against infidels. Their fight is against um, those who are immoral and unrighteous. Not too much different from our, our war against terrorism. That we are continuing to, to find ourselves in today. And if Jesus were to come back you know, as our president and he looked down at how we're fighting against uh, those who... Um, you know, who find that Christians are, um, are infidels and, and worthy of, of slaughter, he would say, you know, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear, can't, cannot bear them which are evil. How you have tried those who are false apostles and found them to be liars. Even in spite of that good fight, you have lost sight of your first love. Go back and do those first works. And one of those first works, the first works that are written in the scripture is that are, are hinged on two commandments. That we are to love God with all of our hearts, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirit, with all of our being, with all of our might. And second unto that is that we must love our neighbors as ourselves. And so what he would say is he'd say instead of dropping bombs on, you know, X country or um, whatever the case may be, whatever, you know, acts that we are um, invested in in our war uh, against terror, if you will, quote unquote, he would tell us to stop and go back to those first two commandments and reinvest in agape love. A love of self-sacrifice for even our enemies. 
That's what it would look like. But he's the good shepherd, um, and that's how he would guide us. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's go back to the scripture reading, and I'll finish there. In the book of Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, um, Ezekiel writes a prophecy given to him by God to speak to the shepherds of Israel. And these were not good shepherds. Um, they were bad shepherds, as it says. Um, <clears throat> in uh, verse number 10 of Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, um, he says this to the shepherds. And, and one thing that you'll get out of this verse is, again, the characteristic attribute of a good shepherd, which is love. It says in verse number 10 of Ezekiel chapter 34, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. And why would he do these things to, why would he take the shepherding role from these shepherds? Because they were serving themselves first, instead of serving the sheep and the livestock first. They were thinking of themselves and how they can improve their status instead of focusing their time and attention on the nourishment and uplifting of the flock. But it goes on to say in uh, verse number 17 um, and 18, as a result of their poor pastoring, that they had, uh, as it says, they had um, fouled the pasture and fouled the waters that are necessary to feed the flock. And I guess I would say that that is the, um, if you were to read through the remaining verses of uh, Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, that this is um, the challenge, or this is really a promise um, to those shepherds who we have here today, our elected officials. That if they do not do their jobs as being a good shepherd with the characteristic of love, that God will raise up another shepherd. And he has already risen another shepherd. As it goes on to say in uh, the 23rd verse of Ezekiel chapter 34, that that shepherd is from the lineage of his servant David, and his name is the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, as we go into this upcoming week, um, you know, don't be overtaken. You know, don't get overly emotional in this election as if your life depends on it. And that's a fallacy of the media, both on the left and both on the right. There is no man or woman that is going to be elected on November 3rd that is going to be able to preserve your body physically and your soul. The only person who can do that is Jesus the Christ. This election is not going to, is, is not so important, right, that we have to, uh, you know that it's that it's going to I don't know 
be the end of the, uh, the family of God or the church of Christ. It, it, it is not that, as my sister says, it's not all about that. All we are simply doing is we are hiring a standby to fill in to serve an important role. Um, but again, we should not put our hope and trust and faith in those hirelings because we are not a part of, we are, we are not owned by those elected officials. We should put all of our hope and faith and trust in God and Jesus because those two are the only that typify that important characteristic of a good shepherd, which is a love of self-sacrifice. So if you're here this morning and you need prayers for, um, for anything, if there's a challenge in your, in your life, um, there's a roadblock, um, a stumbling block, if you will, that, that uh, you need to be removed. You can ask for prayers this morning. Um, as the scripture says, the, uh, the fervent and effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And we will certainly pray on your behalf for, uh, for all the things that you may need. Um, if you're not a Christian here this morning, um, just understand that you are outside of the, um, the sheephold, if you will. Um, you have to be a part of that sheephold in order for the shepherd to shepherd your shepherd your life and, and to shepherd after your soul. What do you have to do to get in through that door that Jesus describes in John the 10th chapter? Well, you have to hear the oneness of faith, the oneness of hope, the oneness of baptism, the oneness of the gospel, the oneness of God, and the oneness of Jesus himself. You have to believe those things that you have heard, so much so that it prompts you to repent or to give your life over to God um, for his benefit and to uh, his will. You must, also rep- uh, you must also confess. As Jesus has told us, him who confessed me before men, him will also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And then based on that confession, go down in that water grave of baptism in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of uh, God, in the name of the Holy Spirit, uh, to be remiss of your sins and come up out of that watery grave, uh, a child of God, having the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we must live faithfully after uh, following that Spirit until death, as it states in Revelations, the second chapter and verse number 10, in order to obtain a crown of life. So again, the lesson is yours. We will sing the song of invitation, and immediately afterwards, the floor will be open to anybody who needs to request a prayer. So thank you very much for your time.